Welcome to another action-packed episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And man, do we have, I feel like I say this every anniversary episode, but we have quite an eclectic crop of albums to discuss today, if I do say so myself, and I am I looking... Go f- eclectic or go home. Yeah, exactly. And I'm very much looking forward to discussing them, uh, spanning from 50 years up to uh, 15 so kind of a nice nice mix of anniversaries there um and I, I i guess without further ado we'll just launch into our oldest one which is uh tembi tembi yeah n- no idea yeah so <laughs> an album by pharaoh sanders that came out in 1971 um and it uh, really, it was part of a, a pretty significant run in his career. Uh, I would say that the two most well-known albums in that run, you know, bookended the the, the series, being Karma in '69, uh, Giggity, and then uh, Black Unity in <laughs> in '72. Uh, I I also own I own both of those. Love both of those. Uh, Me too. I think, you know, Karma's yeah. more on the spiritual side. Black Unity is a little bit more intense, maybe a little bit more um, free, so to speak. Uh, in between, you have a uh, deaf, dumb, blind, which I think I don't know what the language is, but it's a Suman Bukman Umyun, and I, I doubt that's correct. But and then uh, Tembi, and I think Tembi kind of splits the difference pretty nicely between a few different things that was going, you know, was going on at his career at the time. You know, you have some more, you know, scronky sax lines. You have a lot of spiritual stuff. Uh, you have some interesting, you know, really beautiful, serene extended pieces that almost somewhat dip into like maybe a little bit more palatable take on third stream in a way i mean maybe that's a little bit strong but i mean extended compositions in this album is kind of interesting because i mean the the previous two like black unity and karma both have you know 30 minute songs about yeah whereas whereas this is like i think the longest yeah longest one is morning prayer on 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 thembi um at almost 10 minutes yeah so it's a little bit of a change but i i i know what you mean though there's definitely like he kind of runs with the motif for an entire song in a way yeah and it's uh i think this is a really good album i I mean i I wouldn't place it above karma or black unity but it was interesting because this was uh this was at kind of a true blue record store on long island i found it it was i think maybe 10 bucks uh it was a og vinyl copy and it was so funny like at that period it really um it was it felt like every other pharaoh sanders album i bought was hit or miss um so like interdispersed between all those purchases i bought uh oh lord let me do no wrong which sounded like Pharaoh Sanders takes on easy listening and not and like I don't that's so, so kind of like new grass by Albert yeah Albert. and like I don't mean that like oh like I want it'd be interesting to hear his take on it no it was just like not great yeah see um, the, that's why I was interested in listening to this because I mean this is my first time listening to this mm-hmm. and um yeah I mean because I, I, I thought it was gonna be like you said like kind of like Pharaoh Sanders kind of going off sort of the indigenous music spectrum kind of go in that direction more where it, it felt like a more more even-handed than yeah um i'd originally thought it was, it was super interesting I, i'm really glad that there's other you know pharaoh sanders out there that's you know 
worth picking up at some point. I mean, I'm sure there's lots more, but for for me, it's always been Black Unity and Karma. Um, and I mean, now promises, but you know, <laughs> we didn't really know about that. Yeah. For a while, but yeah, you know, it's actually when I was doing the list to when I was reorganizing the list, um, when I learned that this thing was fifty, that's that's so weird. Just that's fifty years since nineteen seventy one. I don't know. That, that that's more of a um editorializing side note than than anything. Yeah, it's kinda um, like how like you know, whatever it means about nineties kids, we think it was, you know, like a decade ago, but really it was like thirty years ago. Yeah. Or at least me, I think it was like, you know, you know, just just around the bend. Like oh nineties when I was growing well, up. But yeah, that was I mean it, not not to spoil a later episode, but I was watching uh, a documentary this morning on uh related to one of the albums that we're talking about and uh I was like man this was not too long ago and it's weird how old it feels yeah yeah like, that's really that's a good um, way to put it yeah anyway so yeah i think i don't really have i don't know i i the thing is i i've had a weird ass week um so i've only listened to this thing once i really should have listened to it twice or even more than that um i i really enjoyed it though i really loved you know hearing like sort of the combination of like you know these scrocks but also like a lot of these uh you know quote-unquote world instrumentation these other more indigenous uh musical instruments being played um there's one thing i want to talk about though and that's um what is spiritual jazz's like obsession with like sleigh bells right i don't know i feel like i mean (laughs) maybe it was something that was traditional in like the the black church or you know was was something that probably has some kind of 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 religious origin uh, it is interesting though yeah. yeah i mean there's certain like kind of across uh he has a great album with um coltrane called om that yeah there's a, oh, there's right. a ton of that like ton of sleigh bells chanting yeah, well, yeah. Th- that's that's where i thought of it because uh interstellar space with uh coltrane oh yeah Shirley, yeah what, what was it was just saxophone and drums and then Coltrane just like you know chucking out some sleigh bells yeah exactly <laughs> at random points and I'm just like whenever I listen to sleigh bells I just think of Santa Claus it, yeah. <laughs> it is such a strange uh juxtaposition yeah of, of things it really is um yeah I, I mean there isn't a ton I, I will say like I, I came from this album after I think I had previously bought Save Our Children which came out in 99 uh, which is one of the last records. I think it, you know. Obviously, his output really slowed down as he got older in the two thousands. Um, that was very much leaning into these you know extended spiritual, worldy you know world music inspired passages, yeah. and it was way way too clean. So I think what, you know after finding Tembi was the next purchase I made. Um, I, I liked how it kept that you know in a jazz foundation. Like you still had the kind of the beautiful without it being too. Um, I guess corny maybe, or just a little, a little bit too saccharine, you know, just almost too. Uh, yeah, like I like, like I like this the emotional side of spiritual jazz, but when it gets a little bit too religious or you know worship, you know, kind of worship based, it's just it's not something that vibes with me that much. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, ironically, you say that though, and you know, the creator has a master plan, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's um, just you know, something about that. So the way it's presented, just it feels a little different i don't know because yeah, yeah i mean I, it's not just I mean, like i really love um 
coloring book by Chance the Rapper, and that's super religious. But again, it's just it's the way it was presented just felt yeah, different to me for I, whatever I mean, reason. I think sometimes, yeah, I, I think maybe it's a it's a case of sort of the spiritual aspect overpowering the musical aspect of it. Um, you know, I like I. But, you know, when you started talking about this, my, my mind jumped to Alice Coltrane, actually, because, mm. you know, it's, like, right around this time that she did, you know, A Journey to Sachinanda, 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 yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever it. it's called. With, with Pharaoh Sanders, uh, you know, she did, um, what, what was the other one? Um, uh, oh, uh, El the Daoud, or however you say that? Yeah. Um, Ta, Ta the El Daoud. Ta. Yeah. Um, and she did Universal Consciousness, um, Things like that that were all really interesting spiritual jazz albums that really felt like a blend between the two. But it felt like after that, she slowly, like, you know, progressed more and more until she was just doing just straight up, like, uh, kind of like new age religious music, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it was all, I mean, it, see, the, the thing is with with this sort of thing is that it's not like it isn't genuine on their part. I mean, she was living in an ashram, if I remember right. Um, near the end of her life but you know it's just like I mean I, it, it's an interesting conversation I think maybe it's a conversation that's best done uh, in a different episode uh, but just sort of that idea of you know sort of when because you can apply this to sort of even like you know a political album as well it's just like when does the impetus for your album overtake the album itself yeah, absolutely, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, part of what what um, tempers that those vibes certainly on on his earlier uh, material, when you have that scronk, you know, when you have that that you know kind of the intensity and just his really really amazing playing, uh, mm-hmm. it just kind of you have that juxtaposition, and I think what started to to wear on me with his older stuff when you get into the 80s and 90s uh it just was it it just didn't have that like his playing became and it it just you know he's getting older lost that fire although i would say that on promises i you know certainly um it's 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 sort of a different yeah exactly i think it was a different context um yeah i think i pretty much own because i own you know like it's a karma deaf dumb blind tembi uh black unity uh i think the only other two i might want I mean, maybe some other ones. Uh, it's the, they're hard to find, at least af- affordably, some of his albums, at least in the wild. Um, I mean, you you can get. Um, I, I know that Impulse does a lot of those um, like two in one CDs. Yeah. Uh, which I I'm not a big fan of, yeah, but like here. if if you were properly you know motivated. Yeah. Uh, the other they could be. You know, I, I mean, whenever I see it in the wild now, I, I definitely try to. Um, pick it up i found journey to the one which came out in 1980 which is you know kind of a big ambitious spiritual dad spiritual jazz project apparently uh but it was at a time where i wasn't you know kind of as comfortable financially as i am now and it was i think it was 40 bucks used and i was just like i don't know man if i saw it today i would i would grab it just because that it that speaks a little bit differently to me um but i'm also interested in getting love in us all just because of how highly sam shepherd from Phony Phones spoke about it and oh, what's yeah. his like he he said he used to play it at clubs which I still don't really I don't know if I can truly he said <laughs> people know. would, would I, dance to it in certain contexts I I'm like, would have yeah. I would love to hang wherever Sam Shepard used to hang I know I tell you. he said some people would actually dance to it in certain contexts I'm like what context is that like <laughs> like what 
<laughs> don't don't you remember it's it's right after that rave that is completely soundtracked by Brian Eno's ambient series? <laughs> I know. Oh, that's so you know, funny. Take some E, get some glow sticks, <coughs> and just go for it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, I I I feel like we've exhausted this. Yeah. A little bit. I and I think it's mostly. I mean, I just don't have a ton to say. Like, I I think it's an awesome album. Um, I I just don't really. You know, I, I I guess if I have a final note, um, I love the album cover. <laughs> yeah, I like that. that it's just so goofy. That's a great outfit. I love it. Yeah. Um, and he always he his outfit game is on is on fire. It it always has been. I love yeah. it. I wish I had the balls to dress like Pharaoh Sanders. Same <laughs> same with Kamasi Washington. Like some of those. I mean. I, oh yeah, how he like yeah, Kamasi looks like a like a freaking uh, gospel like yeah. Southern Baptist. Uh, uh, I, you know. I mean, I feel like I would be going into, you know, cultural appropriation territory, which is always a, you know, sticky. If I start wearing, like, traditional African garb, I feel like people would be like, what are you Well, I mean, Southern doing? Baptist isn't necessarily African-American, but... Yeah, yeah I'm just, I, like... I, I, I get what you mean. My, my privileged northern white upbringing just uh, does not scream, you know, black unity or, like, you know... <laughs> I mean, you, I could see you doing that, that fedora on black unity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Lauren would disagree. But... <laughs> Lauren is very anti-fedora. Well, is that... But... I don't know if that's a fedora. It's It's... Actually, it look, it kind of looks like um, like a Spanish bullfighters. Uh, yeah, yeah, bit. I could see that. I could see that. Um, kind of, um, kind of looks like that, and like kind of like a short. And you know what? It it, it looks like um, the hat that Stevie Ray Vaughan would wear. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. I anyway, love it. I, I I think we need to move. Yeah, on. <laughs> we were actually we're so right now we're gonna jump twenty years in the future and talk about a completely different genre and band. Uh, <laughs> This is Bullhead by Melvins. Uh, it's a little difficult to... They're one of those bands that I don't know if you can definitively say what their best album is. I mean, partially just because yeah. they've, they've toyed with the same sound but in different creative ways throughout their career. But I think more and more, was... more importantly, they just have an insane discography. I just quickly Googled Rate Me Music and it says, you know, 32 full-length <laughs> albums and that doesn't include you know they you know they had that uh millennium monster work 2000 which was a you know live album they recorded with phantom Mass. uh yeah they've they, done they, they've done you know a bunch of different um they did like a modular synthesis like or like some sort of like electronic uh live album they've done collaborations yeah ton, yeah. ton of eps um and yeah, I, I have I, a, I have a fair amount of their albums uh there was one point where i was gonna yeah. try to collect them all and i feel like at some point i might try to but it, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had about collections earlier where there's definitely um some weak points i would say probably up until freak puke and then after that i'm just <laughs> yeah I, 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 I mean so some of their you know nude with boots um three the, men the, and a the, baby the more i learn about <clears throat> the melvins the more i absolutely adore them <laughs> no, they're great, and, and they really have, you know, I mean, the, the cool, what we're talking about here, um, they basically took the, you know, the Black Flag My War template and really ran with it. You know, they just, they mixed in more mm. of the OG heavy metal, like more Sabbath, you know, they're big fans of, like, earlier hard rock, uh, they're big Kiss fans, which I don't think super, you know, super applies, but at least... Yeah, the, but you'd be surprised, like, like <clears throat> Dimebag, Daryl, was a massive kiss fan yeah weirdly enough but definitely i mean it, their presentation the fact that they're so i mean they really uh, oh they, wait 
apparently they they did a uh, a collaborative album with Lost Mord, which I need to listen to now. Yeah, I remember, I remember when I really got into them. That was something that you know popped out to me. Oh, um, apparently Adam Jones is on this thing too. What the fuck? Yeah, the, the, why the, do I not know about one of those bands this? that just everyone everyone loves the melody. You know, kind of in that yeah. sphere. Um, <clears throat> I will okay, say, well. Yeah. Okay. You you did say say that we were doing bullhead, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. In as much you know, if you you go by rate your music or just in general kind of you know discourse online or what I've seen, bullhead was certainly uh, it's still rated within the top you know top four or five of albums that they've put out. Um, and in terms of when it when it came out, it was right after you know Gloomy Pores Treatments and Ozma, which were very much in the grunge noise rock vein i mean they were uh, melvin's were really close with uh Kirk, yeah Kirk Cobain, nirvana Cobain. so i mean obviously they had their own voice but it, it didn't sound super outside of that vein it was very much you know like gritty riffs but like you know they had a you know nice giddy up as they might say like there was you know the tempo was a little bit higher okay it kind of fits there but a little bit weird um but bullhead really uh, really started to go down like a doomy, sludgy rabbit hole. Uh, I, I yeah. mean, certainly, if you paid attention to the track listing, you, you would know that um, this is a pretty influential album. And as much as you know, the band Boris named themselves after the opening track on this album, and it's it's a very, very much a statement track from them. You know, it's it's incredibly, you know, doomy, sludgy, and and oh my god, Boris is such a great song, dude. Yeah, I, like this is. I mean, so. A friend, um, a friend of mine, turned me on to the Melvins um, a few years ago with um, with Houdini. Hmm. Like listening to, I, I think it was uh, what what's, what's the first song off of Houdini? I can't remember now. Uh, let me just click them through. A hooch, hooch. Thank you. Yeah, that like just listening to that was just like mind expanding. Yeah. Um, because I never, I never thought that they would sound like that for some reason. Um, and yeah, and so I, I ended up listening to Bullhead. I think of few years ago i want to say um actually if we can go back slightly because i feel like you're totally on the like right on the money there that i feel like everybody has their own favorite melvin's album like nobody's like it's just like one of those bands is like nobody really agrees on a single one in a way like i think didn't you say like yours is like lysol i want to say um I, I, I remember it, well, Lysol, it was a different one. Yeah, Lysol's super influential to drone metal, so I've, oh, it was, I've, yeah. it was stag. It <clears throat> yeah, was I was soft spot for that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoy Bullhead, but I will say my favorite period of Melvin's. I like Stoner Witch because it has a little bit, you know, it's a little bit faster paced, and I like. Uh, I mean, just to be, be honest, uh, what song? I think uh, there's a song in that that's on Tony Hawk, one of the Tony Hawk games and I used to listen to it all the time so I feel nostalgic. <laughs> My favorite is definitely Stag because I feel like they they really uh, I like when they combine kind of the sludgy you know stonery doomy stuff that they do with some interesting like Stag is borderline alt metal like very much a lot of the, the weirder 90s metal trends at the time mm-hmm. um, you know like I, I really I really vibe with that but yeah I mean I, I haven't heard I think one of the things that was a roadblock for me with kind of finishing their discographies. A, there's just so many albums to get, but also um, listening to them in succession can be a little tough because they do have, yeah. I mean, they're super consistent, but I think in that sense, 
they're consistent to the point where I would find it hard to marathon their albums, honestly. Yeah, it, <clears throat> it doesn't seem like something that would really work out, but I, I think as an album, it's, you know, as just one album, it's such a great listen. Uh, like, you know, I, I really need to get a copy of Bullhead now, uh, because, I mean, I, I don't know, see, because it's funny, I, um, when we were discussing, you know, when we decided on this album, I, I plucked my copy from the from my from my shelf, and I realized that it, I only have Houdini. I don't I don't have Bullhead. For some reason, I confused the two. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up listening to Bullhead, but then I think the next day I just put on Houdini anyway for the fuck of it, and I'm like, they're both so good, and, and like, but man, there was something like, ah, just ragged about Bullhead that I really like and I, and I love how how short it is too um, I mean just all, all things considered because mm-hmm. um, I think Houdini I think is a little longer if I remember right um, yeah it's, it's almost an hour long yeah <laughs> um, Bullhead just feels like it, it just gets right to the you know right to it in a way mm-hmm. um, and just Boris is just so friggin like like, like Buzzo's like vocals on that song are just like he sounds desperate on mm-hmm. it and I love that like I love him just going for it like it just oh man it was just so good like this was just such a great fucking album to listen to uh, just super fun I, I think that's something that like I don't know like see what when I first knew like when I first saw a picture of, of Buzz, Al, Buzz Osborne I was like oh this guy's a douchebag like, but like the more I I come to like know him and actually you know not be a judgmental prick about things, uh, he seems like such a cool guy, like just such a chill, nice dude, honestly. Uh, and he but but he's also just like I I think um, I remember I was I was listening to an interview with um I think it's the the co-founder of Ipecac mm-hmm. Records. Yeah. And he was saying that like he's like, like. Buzz Osborne is like one of the sweetest men I've ever met, but he is also like just a purposeful, like purposeful contrarian. Yeah. To the very end. Oh, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and it's just like, yeah, I can see that. You can see it just all the way, just from the imagery that they use to, you know, the fact that this came out on Boner Records. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, part of what's great about. <laughs> Excuse me. Part of what's great about the Melvins is, um, I think they give you a lot of the. They give you a lot of things that you want from like, kind of the hard rock movement and and what became of rock, you know, going from, you know, kind of the Nirvana era through you know, alt rock, all metal stuff like that. But they definitely beat by their own drum and mm-hmm. they. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they temper the, you know, just kind of straightforward riffs with interesting ideas. They present it in an interesting way. Uh, it's not, it's not like too heavy. Which not not that like being heavy is a problem, but I like that they kind of they give you something you don't usually get. I mean, definitely sludge. I I feel like the sludge stoner and doom genre has become very. Like, it's just extreme... And people would say the same thing about death metal, but, like, if someone doesn't listen to Sludge, Stone, or Doom that often, it feels like there's a lot of homogenization going on. And what I like about Melvin's is they're just... 
they approach heaviness. They approach what's great about those genres in a unique way, and they're not. Yeah. You know, they don't try to just you know be the the million stoner you know stoner doom band you've heard. Um, and what's great, it, is, it definitely. I, I think it's more like their plan of attack almost. Yeah, but they 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 definitely feel like they're they're definitely going at it from more of a rock angle than yeah. a metal angle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you you get the heaviness with kind of the the diversity. It's it's less weird. Like I think of a band like. I don't know. I hate God, or um, I was gonna say Crowbar. Yeah, yeah. Like those bands, if they if they try to do some of the things that Melvins do, it would be like it would sound too weird, and or like it would just it would sound too stark. Like if they threw in mm-hmm. some of like the the more weird ideas, like Stag. Stag has a track with um, like with trombone put in that actually fits really really well, and I think if if you know Crowbar tried to do that or I Hate God it would be like what the fuck? Or, or Sleep yeah I'd be like what the fuck is this like, what are you doing um, I, I would love to see Sleep I, actually the, the, this is genuine I'd love to see Sleep do like uh, like whatever drone album that Melvin's did like the, that like uh, Lysol album. no no the, 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 there's a live album that they did that is like all electronic I think oh interesting I remember right yeah um I think it's called yeah, it's Colossus of Destiny. I think oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's nearly an hour of synthesizer and sample experimentation, ending in a performance of the song "I Flies." So, <laughs> it was reported that members of the Eyes were lying on the ground covering their ears during this performance. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I love um, I love the really intense mooing cow on the cover as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the other thing is like honestly some of their covers are are pretty bad, but some of them are amazing. Like they yeah. just. Bullhead, Bullhead's interesting. I, I be, be, because it, it's like it, it, it's almost like a twenty jazz funk great type of thing. Yeah, like you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I totally, um, totally feel that. On. Yeah, but, like, but then like same thing with Houdini though. But like I, I love the Houdini cover. I love Houdini. Uh, I'm thinking of like Nude with Boots. Nude with Boots is the way I first ever exposure to Melvin's because they had it at the library. Um, what? I think I think they did, or maybe somehow. Oh, you know what it was. My friend's mom used to work at Barnes and Noble, and they would just get rid of magazines. Like they would just recycle the magazines that people didn't buy. And she brought me a ton of, like I think three, four, five metal compilations from like Metal <laughs> Hammer, or whatever. And New with Boots was on one of them. And like I thought it sounded really cool, and then I ripped it and go, went to the cover, and it's literally just a Chihuahua looking up. Yeah. It. And it, like it, it, it almost looks like that. Yeah, like it's I, like see. See the, the Chihuahua makes me think Taco Bell, yeah. But the the red makes me think Target. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, and I mean like cool, that's cute and whatever. But also, I don't know. That's it's not. Yeah, they, they've had better I mean, covers. It, 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 it's kind of like having a Black Flag album that without like a Raymond Pettibon, you know, yeah, it album was, cover to it. Yeah, but like you said, you're never. I mean, kind of with cover art or with the music itself, you're never sure what you're gonna get. And I think that really started with Bullhead. You know, I, I think Gluey Porch Treatments and Ozma. Are both cool albums, but Bullhead is where they really started to come into their own, and yeah. clearly it's, it's had a lasting impact on you know, the oh, landscape. Yeah, yeah it, it's a great album. I I genuinely cannot wait to own this thing uh, at some point in the very near future. Um, but yeah, speaking of bovine related um, album, oh my names, god. Dude, uh, you we, really yeah. We're we're moving a decade further to talk about uh, the cold vein by Cannibal Ox. So yeah, yeah. That, that that's a segue that just happened. Yeah, um, and this was actually the documentary that I was talking about. There's um, 
because I, I think I, I sent you an article earlier last week about yeah. um, the making of The Cold Vein, and it described this documentary that they did with uh, Definitive Jux, the label that this thing is on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was watching that today. It was really interesting to sort of see, you know, what was going on, because, like, all of this was, like, happening in LP's apartment, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, like, just so fucking weird. Okay. Like... Um, but I feel like with hip hop, that's that's you know, that's plausible. Well, yeah. yeah, but but it was like, it was to the point that like LP like had people like I, I'm pretty sure that, like that uh, Vast Air and uh, Vortal were both sleeping in LP's apartment, like they were living there. Oh, okay. Yeah, like they they he had kind of like a party situation going on. Almost well, not not necessarily. It was almost like a like a hip hop commune almost yeah. in a way. It was, yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I highly recommend people uh, just look it up. I think you just put in, like, Definitive Jux documentary. Uh, there, there's, a, there's I think there's two different ones, but uh, this one's, like, I don't know, maybe half an hour. Interesting, though. Um, yeah, so this is The Cold Vein. This is um, the debut album by Cannibal Ox, and it is, uh, it was their only album until... You know, they followed up in 2015 uh, with Blade of the Ronin, which, I, if I remember, you weren't a fan of. Um, I, I, I remember when this when Blade of the Ronin came out, we were both talking about it uh, a little bit. I remember liking it, strangely enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm just pulling it up to make sure I get the the timeline right. It came out in 2015. I, I mean, the short answer is I thought it, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. But I think I was I was excited for it when it first was announced because. Uh, you know, Run the Jewels 1 and 2 had come out. It was like, oh, great, you know, they're bringing the band back together. And I don't think LP was involved in, um, in Blade yeah, of the Ronin. Like it. Uh, no. Yeah, it was a, a, a Bill Cosmic. I think Black, yeah, Black Milk produced one track. I just pulled it up now. Uh, yeah. I thought it was, it was okay. It kind of had, um, so, I mean, before I make this point, I want to say I really, I really like this album a lot. Like, I think it's, it's a great, Classic underground hip hop album. Yeah, but we're talking about Cold Vein. Yeah, no, I was saying, like, yeah, I like Cold Vein yeah. a lot, but um, Blade of the Running had a similar problem I have with the Cold Vein is that it's it's really long. I think it could yeah. benefit from being a little bit shorter. But the 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 problem with Blade of the Running is that it didn't have that great you know vintage LP production and just in general, it just kind of felt old. Like I feel like that's that's. Maybe not super yeah. specific or nice to say, but it felt like kind of the fire that people... I mean, we're talking, you know, pretty much 15 years between the two albums. So, you know, you're going to be a completely different person, you know, by extension, yeah. a completely different, you know, MC. Yeah, it um, doesn't mean that that magic is always going to be yeah. there again. And, and I also think that part of what made this album what it is, is, you know, LP's involvement. Yeah, but I think like, what, what's a what's a cool, a cool juxtaposition is the fact you know this came out the same year as uh, Jay Z's The Blueprint, which was obviously a huge, huge album, um, and really pointed to the direction at least mainstream hip hop is going. And I think you know I, I like both albums. I, I think that um, Coldplay is obviously at least technically. I mean, I think I would probably put on the Coldplay over. Um, Blueprint. I, I like the fact that they really leaned into something that hip hop was very, very much moving away from in the 
2000s, which is, you know, lyricism and, you know, obviously you have great beats, you have beats that fit the topics of the theme of your album, but really leaning into rapping, which I think was... See, are you talking about the Blueprint doing that? No, like I'm talking about, sorry, I'm talking about the Colvin. Like, I mean, I think just... Yeah, um... I, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec, I guess. Um, but it, to kind of hop on what you're saying, um, I mean, in the documentary, they like they were even saying like, you know, so much hip hop today isn't doesn't even feel like hip hop. I mean, mind you, we're talking about you know 2000, 2001, um, that they're they're like it doesn't feel like hip hop anymore. Mm-hmm. Like all these rappers are just rapping about all the women and cars and clothes they have, and it doesn't feel real anymore almost. And um, you know, I, I think alternatively, you also have you have these guys just pulling out all these weird references to things and thinking about like all this different imagery and sort of these like lyrical motifs mm-hmm. uh it's just out there um like that was really cool i mean obviously lp i mean lp's production i think really makes this album um that being said i is thing i i i think this is a good album it's just it's not without its flaws like I, I, I think it's really easy. I think for people to just consider this thing like a perfect classic thing, and I just heavily disagree. Like actually, when I was listening to this thing again this week, I wasn't even halfway through Iron Galaxy, which is the first track, and I was like, I, I almost debated texting you and being like, can we not talk about <laughs> Cold Vein? Like because I, I really fucking hate this right now. Um, I, part of it, I think, is just like Vast Air has some really good lines throughout this album, but his flow can be a little um, difficult to sort of latch onto at times, and that that kind of throws me off a lot. Like if if I can't nod along with what you're doing in a way, like that that that's kind of a problem for me because it's just like okay, so are you a hip hop artist or are you a spoken word artist? Almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think. I mean, what I was saying earlier, I, I, you know, I stand by the fact that from a technical perspective, this is pretty. At least juxtaposed to an album like The Blueprint, what was going on, this really helped push. I mean, clearly, as we saw, the way that underground hip hop unravel unrolled, um, mm. unfurled. I guess is probably a better word. Um, this definitely was super influential, definitely selling... I mean, LP's production was... I mean, he definitely got bigger and bolder as time went on, but some really interesting forward-thinking stuff here. Uh, but I will yeah. say, even, even after years of listening to this, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, there are plenty of... Um, like I think of someone like Billy Woods, who basically does a spoken word type approach, but at the same time, he kind of sticks to... like he sticks to a set style like it's you know his flow and delivery like once you get it you get it whereas a lot of times in the cold vein you know there are bars and lyrics that really stick out to me you know every time i re-listen uh but first of all there's just so much here yeah and that's the other thing it's this thing is way too long yeah like because way too long um i guess to close off with the lyric point it feels like sometimes Sometimes he's trying to fit too many words in one, like, bar. It feels like he's just, like, he, he made, he's trying, he's prioritizing kind of the complexity of the rhyme over, like, what sounds good. And, you know, I think 
there's something to be said for that. Like you, you don't want to have super like ABC, you know, ABCD run run DMC kind of rhymes. But yeah. at the same time, it, you don't want to be tripping over yourself. It 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 kind of feels like sort of the balance that like Wu Tang was able to kind of yeah, strike up. Yep. Um, you know, like like a Ghostface was able to do, but just kind of pushed to its eventual <laughs> conclusion. Yeah. And not necessarily a good conclusion. Yeah, um, and, and you're... but I, it, it, it doesn't always happen. You know, in this thing, there are some really great moments that I really enjoy on this thing. It, it's just like some of them are really difficult to get through. Yeah, because um, it, it, it's not even so much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's the fact there are a lot of tracks. You know, and there's just a lot going on. But also, I mean, the shortest track on this is is three and a half minutes. Like most of the tracks, it's not even just that. There's a lot of them. It's they're all around the, like the four, five. You know, you have some yeah. tracks that are like six minutes, and that's just a, that's a lot. It's just a lot of, you know. It's one thing if you have, you know, there aren't really a ton of great memorable hooks on this album, which is you know obviously that's not really the point. You, you don't want to discredit it too much, but it would be it makes it a little bit difficult because each track is just like you know hard bars, just you know like we're rapping, we're you're, you know being really you know really lyrical really heady and that's cool but also after a while it's you know it's it, a, it can be a lot yeah it's a little bit um, hard to penetrate but i i think given those things i i mean i i guess i can't we can't stress the importance of this album because i mean this was definitely like one of this is probably the first big alternative hip-hop album like you know ever really uh, or at least one to really make it in the way that you know, something like the blueprint, something like, you know, uh, like Enter the Wu Tang. You know, just it, it has that level, but it's not uh, a traditional hip hop album. And like, I, I feel like that that really, I mean, <laughs> ironically, my um, it set the blueprint. You know, kind of yeah. for what, uh, or at least it provided a different method. You know, and sort of like a different window into what this genre was capable of it still is capable of and you know you know at i think i mean it's it's not to say that other people weren't doing stuff at the moment because i mean um i think around the time that this came out bazooka tooth i think came out as well um you know and uh, like i think lp I, I mean obviously fun crusher plus had come out yeah you know uh i think lp might have already put out his first album by now um so like you know it's it's not that there isn't a lack of stuff it's just like this is such a good highlight from that era and it's just such an example of that you know there's like you can get a lot of success going by playing by the rules Mm -hmm. but you can get a lot of amazing results by not doing it at the same time like i i don't know i i guess that that kind of sounds cliche but what i mean is just that like I, I think this is a testament to people pursuing their creative ambitions however they see it and sort of fulfilling their vision as opposed to kind of just hopping on some beat and just letting a few bars fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, the, the, the juxtaposition with what was where hip-hop was trending at the time. The, I mean, the, the definitive juxtaposition? Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, there you uh, go. Because, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, another... You know, underground hip hop classic people site is Mad Villainy, um, but that obviously that didn't come out for um, I think a few more years. Yeah, the two thousand four. So yeah, I mean when you, yeah. when you think of like that period, like you know, two thousands really you know influential 
underground hip hop, Cold Vein has to be on your list of, of oh, yeah. even if you don't like it, just you know how much it did. And, and again, I mean, as a whole, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Uh, definitely think it could have been pared down, but the actual idea, like on a track by track basis, this is really interesting, great stuff. Yeah, really, really great. Yeah, especially like any Run the Jewels fans who don't know about LP's like prior work, check it out, man. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. All right, you you ready to move on? Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping because right. I don't know when these two albums came out in 2006, so I'm hoping I'm picking the right one. Um, oh, yeah, I I I I did them by by um, uh, alphabetical order. Great. With, if they're the same year. Speak, so. Speaking of large sums. Oh my God. Ten thousand <laughs> days by Tool. Ten thousand days yeah. is a lot of days. I'm I'm not gonna do the math, but. Actually, I'm going to do the math, but it's it's, it's many days. Yeah, uh, while I'm talking. Uh, so yeah, Tool, they've they've kind of I don't know. It's kind of unfortunate the the, the reputation they've taken on. I, I mean, it doesn't help that Maynard, you know, Keenan can kind of be a little um, a little pretentious with some of his statements, but I think it's unfair that people make fun of them by how much they're fancy. Like they're such a deep intricate yeah. like super and of course a lot of their compositions are pretty complex you know they have some interesting ideas um you know throughout their discography but it, it's kind of unfair that um it, it, in a way it reminds me of of deaf heaven like deaf heaven didn't ask to be branded like the prototypical hipster black metal band but you know here we are so yeah it's, i like, mean they, they also like i mean i think part of what makes tool fans and sort of but like i, I think what what creates the stigma i mean it's is the imagery as well though um and i i think it was probably best symbolized by this album honestly uh, because we have alex gray um doing a lot of like a lot of the art for it and he would end up i mean he's i think he's collaborated with them before this possibly but th- this was like the big one kind of um i mean he designed the the normal album cover that you see but you know, and also, uh, if you ever watched the video for Vicarious, um, he did that whole video, and that's that's a super trippy video. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, I, I mean, really, you watch any Tool music video, it's gonna be weird. Uh, super fun, I love it. Um, yeah, this is see, wait, Lateralis actually came out, um, I think five years before this, so we were almost gonna talk about this at Lateralis as well. Uh, but we just decided on ten thousand days, um, which I, I think is a good choice because I, I think Lateralus is probably pointed to as the band's best. I think by a lot of people, um, and people like kind of think of ten thousand days as kind of like lacking in um, not variety, but I, I guess progression from Lateralus. And uh, I I don't disagree, but that doesn't make it a bad album necessarily. Yeah, like, yeah, I think, I mean, part of why I chose, you know, I I, um, I like, I like the first four Tool albums a lot, I think we, didn't we review, we reviewed Fear Inoculum, and had... No, we didn't. Oh, we, we didn't? We, we, we reviewed the single, the initial single for Oh, it. okay. Um, and then I think we talked about it briefly, um, I, I think the week it came out, I wanted it to be my album of the week, and I think I talked about that, but I just was so disappointed by it yeah. that I just, I couldn't justify it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked, you know, I listened to, um, I listened to the first four albums, you know, woefully out of order, um, and I think that, you know, they're all, 
different. They all, you know, approach kind of the, what became their sound in different ways. Uh, I, I picked 10,000 Days just because it's my personal favorite. I just have a lot of... Uh, my parents are actually really big into Tool, and they used to play... It was funny. They would play The Pot, but then, you yeah. know, like, whenever he would say fucking hypocrite, they would just turn down the radio. Or, like, they'd turn it down just to the CD or whatever. Scott, you, you don't know that word, right? But then, like... <laughs> like, no, I, I, I just hear a blank void. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, like um, once they decided to, you know, kind of loosen up a little bit, I just... I ripped my dad's copy, and, man, I would just... Vicarious, Jombie, The Pot, I would just constantly stream those over. Yeah, I think those uh, are yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, I will say, re-listening to this again, uh, I am reminded of how little I... How little... I really don't know much of the other songs on this album. Yeah, Like so I, I actually know what you mean. If you will allow me to yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. embark on a journey of words for a moment. Um, because Tool was my first concert or at least what i count as my first concert uh excuse the uh motorcycle mm. okay uh anyway yes tool was my first concert um and but before that um i the 10,000 days was actually one of like the first album i ever bought on my own or i mean not bought on my own but like somebody bought still bought it for me but it was, like, the first time I actually went into a CD store, and I was like, I want this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and it wasn't out of, like, popularity, because I think if we want to go technical, it was, I think, Backstreet Boys Millennium. <laughs> so, um, but we, we, we won't talk about that dark point yeah. in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, like, so it was, it, was, it was this album, and it was um, uh, Ashes of the Wake by Lamb of God, mm. I believe. Uh, those were like the first CDs that I bought, and I still have them on my shelf. And uh, I, I, did you ever see the physical copy for Ten Thousand Days? Yeah, it's wicked cool with like the the, yeah. the, the goggles for lack of a better. Yeah, yeah, like the lenticular lenses, and like I, I was so obsessed <coughs> looking at that thing mm-hmm. and like all the art. I thought it was just the coolest thing. And um, but I, I experienced the same thing you did. That I, you know, I, I can specifically remember this uh, instance of I think I was putting together a shed with my dad. Back, this is like back in high school and I had this album on shuffle but I would always skip over all the other songs that weren't Vicarious, The Pot, or Jambi yeah <laughs> oh, um, because they they weren't as immediate and uh, that was a I mean I, I get why I did that because I, I wanted to just be hit you know hard kind of with the sound but there are some like the other tracks that are on this thing. I mean, "Wings for Marie" is is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I the, the thing is like people, I, I feel like this album doesn't get enough love in, in a way. I mean, it's the thing it, it gets love in the way that it's a Tool album, and by definition, is going to be obsessed over by some people. But I think more critically minded people like tend to kind of dismiss this thing, and uh, I really wish that wasn't the case because the, there are some great great moments here. I mean, uh, I mean, this thing. Obviously, you have like the pot, which I mean, I, I love how that song begins. Like, th- I think that was the first Tool song I listened to, or around there, and just hearing Maynard just sing clean without any other instrumentation, and then having it slowly build in was super cool. It's just like I'd never heard something like that before, because yeah. you know, usually with, with a rock song, you're like, okay, come in with the riff, you know. Like, and then the singer comes in. Uh, that was just a big thing. But, you know, Rosetta Stoned is a really cool song. 
Uh, I mean, you know, Raiden 2 is really cool as well. Uh, I mean, Wings for Marie is still probably my favorite of, like, the long tracks on the album. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... I, I, I just find this album to be really great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I think... Um, I, th- I think the kind of re-digesting it for this album... Um, the, the, those trio of songs are easily the, the still the three best songs, but I think there's still a lot of great ideas on here. Um, obviously, uh, I think I oh, think writing funny. I, I apparently Lost Mort <clears throat> is on this album. Oh, interesting. Which which I didn't know, but it's second Lost Mord uh, reference today. Interestingly enough, yeah. Uh, I, I think writing two got some play or maybe just my dad or one of his friends who was a huge tool fan played it a lot but i mean that's a great song i think the uh, it's a little goofy but the the kind of hospital narrative that goes on from lost keys into rosetta stone is, is kind of yeah. it's kind of cool um yeah i remember isis's last tour or one of their last tours was supporting tool and I thought that really? I thought that was interesting because I was like I didn't really think of you know there was a lot, a lot of crossover there but there's some really interesting I don't know if I call it like post metal but I feel like there's some really interesting you know textured slow parts on here um, mm. I, I think part of maybe why this has a maybe not a bad rap but why Tool fans I mean obviously you, you have songs like you know Schism Sober. Um, you know, forty six and two, like, like fist. yeah, like there are songs before yeah. Ten Thousand Days that had Third some, Eye, yeah, that had some some radio play that were, were popular. But I think, like Vicarious, especially Jombie in the Pot, got a ton of. I, I mean, like that Vicarious video is so cool, man. Yeah, like, but yeah, I think those three songs, particularly Jombie and especially the Pot, got a ton of play on rock radio. Uh, I mean, I I don't, I don't just know that for looking at the album but you know i mean back, back in, who are you to wave your finger I'm so full of it love it <laughs> but yeah like, i don't even need like i don't even need to look into it i remember back in 2006 like every time my dad turned on waf which is you know kind of the, the big rock station up in the northeast um like it felt like every every trip we took the pot came on and also something I else i don't think i ever had that experience yeah my dad would put, I, i'm kind of jealous now. it's awesome yeah my, my parents you know, they, i remember the host was always like this really scratch like he spoke to Pack a Day like WAF rocks new music from Disturbed. Well, that, that, that that that's a uh, that that's what we call a radio voice. I know, but like right. just it was it was the, every time. But then they would, my dad would always turn it down because he would usually launch it as some inappropriate rant. My parents tried to shelter me, but then they also let me listen yeah. to Tool and Disturbed and Marilyn Manson, just not yeah. just not the sweary songs that they they as yeah, far as they knew. It, um, it's, it, it's all relative to the size of your steeple. Exactly. You know? uh, but but um, the, the one thing I will say is maybe the reason like the pot i think got picked up as a stoner anthem even though it's very obviously you know the pot calling the kettle black like i think it's like like if you listen to the song once you know it's not about pot but like and i don't think they did that on purpose because i think it's just a creative way to see you know the pot calling the kettle black uh i I think it's you know the lyricism is really great and yeah i think that people just you know that reminds me also they i mean Sorry to interrupt. You. The production's really great too. Yeah. Um. I, I I find the production on here all probably almost as good as uh, Lateralis. I think it's it's smoothed out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still really really solid. I love the way Adam Jones's guitar sounds oh, on this album. Absolutely. So. 
I was, I was just going to close out by saying uh, it reminds me of like the, the Carrie spoof episode of American Dad where like he dumps pigs he dumps pigs on him and he's like oh yeah yeah and he's like what like why'd you do that it's like oh I didn't finish the book like that's not even the end of the sentence you know like pigs <laughs> blood and I feel like people are like oh pot marijuana haha like I feel uh-huh. like that's just kind of the I, thought process people had but yeah yeah I, I, I guess yeah I, I'm just thinking like it's it's just said that this was like kind of like the last great tool album for the last you know 15 years yeah I was so. it, 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 it sounds you know, for other bands, it's like, yeah, you know, that might, it's so weird that we're talking about that, but it's really only one album that has kind of put them on a downward, but who knows what's going to happen from here because they are apparently broken up. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Or at least from what I saw, I think it said, um, that, yeah, it says the, um, because, of, because of COVID, they, uh, they said that the band had entered a hiatus, but they, they still hope that they would reconvene in the future and record an EP. Because um, I, I guess, I don't think they're signed to a record label anymore, apparently. Um, okay. Um, interesting. And I, I guess that there's an instrumental song that got released, but it's not under Tool's name, but it has all of the um, in uh, backing members in it. So... Um, yeah, you know, take all of that how you will. Yeah, so I, 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 just I mean, considering how long it took to get to Fear Inoculum, who knows? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. When you look at the kind of the, you know, undertow, you got 33 to 96 for Anima, which is three years. Anima Lateral Alice was five years. Lateral Alice Days was five years, and then suddenly you have this 13 year gap that just. Yeah. I remember, like my friend, my friend's dad, or my dad's friend. Uh, who huge into Tool? Like every time we go over to see them, we'd be like, "Where's uh, when's the next Tool Cup album coming out?" And I, I would report like the latest thing that you know, Metal Sucks or someone I, had had posted. Yeah, well, Metal Sucks. Yeah, they would always do that. I remember there was one post that they they, they were like, "Yeah, it's been officially ten thousand days since ten thousand days," and I'm like, "That's not true." That's not no, because I actually I did the math after yeah. I said that it's like twenty seven years. So yeah, was... I mean, if if anybody didn't know, it's already ten thousand days is describing uh, the length of time that Maynard's mother was dealing with cancer, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is why you have wings for Marie. It's uh, Judith Marie is uh, his mother. Oh, so. that's nice. Which you can you can also see that on the track Judith uh, from uh, Perfect Circle's first album, uh, which is about his mother again. So, just yep, interest just little, little things. I little I, I don't bits. think. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's kind of pretty well known, depending on how like deep you've kind of dived in, into Tool, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't see the point of talking about it more, but yeah. So, um, don't like, don't sell this album short. Is all I'm gonna say is my last word. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, it's a definitely. I could see why you know, OG fans are a little you know turn their nose up at it maybe a little bit, but I think it's a great album, and certainly you know, if, if they had just. You know, just have those three, you know, Vicarious, Jombie the Pot. I mean, this would be, like, a God-tier EP. Like, those three songs are just so, so fucking yeah. good. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think I've I've gotten a little tired of hearing them after so long, but I, I, I love the album, yeah. nonetheless. Um, but, uh, speaking of long periods of studio time, ooh, album Silence. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Thank you very much. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yep. 
I, I can participate too. You no, know? I'm, I'm really glad you did. <laughs> I just choose not to. Because I, I was actually scrambling to think of a segue, and I'm glad that you you took the reins. But yeah, we're talking about um, The Drift by Scott Walker, who kind of puts Tool to shame in terms of gaps between albums uh, and, and weirdness, I suppose. I mean, it's always, yeah. it's always a good sign when you look up the genre for a band, and it's literally just like avant-garde, avant-garde. experimental. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say... <laughs> In a way, at least his vocals, he kept up the Baroque, like, pop yeah. in a way. But, yeah, but this this came out in... Um, so he had a huge hiatus. He was kind of a, you know... Uh, a, a, well, a, so he, he had done some soundtrack work after Tilt came out. Yeah. Um, Pola but this, Yeah. But, but this was, you know, his real kind of, like, return in a way from from tilt yeah and he you know he was a teenage heartthrob you know beautiful um beautiful singing voice did some stuff with his brothers did had a weird country phase they, they weren't his brothers oh they were they actually they, weren't his brothers no they were called the walker I, the walker I, brothers I, I, I'm, yeah i know oh all right well I, i'm almost certain that they're they're not actually brothers yeah they they I, I don't think they are well speaking so. speaking of, of not looking into things closely um I didn't know that. Yeah, see, they formed an They adopted the Walker Brothers' name as a show business touch, even though the members were all unrelated. <laughs> well, consider me duped. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. you know, he, his last country album came out in '74. No one liked it because trying to do trying to do country when that's not your core is not usually a great strategy. But he came back with Climate of Hunter, which hinted towards more experimental things. Uh, that, but that's was such a great album. It, it's a great album, but you know, a little bit more. Art poppy, new new wavy in a way, um, and then Tilt More came accessible. out. Yeah, but then Tilt came out in '95, uh, which was just again it. another ten year yeah. gap, and was just like out of nowhere, you know, embracing dark yeah. ambient. Just yeah, so- songs about Pierre Pasolini being killed by the uh, the prostitute he hired. Yeah, um, like j- just, a, just a really yeah um, engrossing, all encompassing album and, and again once again he took another 10 years you know with the, obviously doing that film score in the, the middle like you mentioned uh, and he came back with the drift which uh another i have another fun vinyl story i found i mean it was used at the um the portland portland not the one downtown the one on the outskirts of town the portland bull moose yeah. it was used but it seemed like pretty much untouched for 10 bucks and i was like oh, just could not so believe cool. it was you know really really nice pressing um and yeah, this is uh, I, Tilt kind of had some more uh, some some melody. Obviously, you know, the opening track you know is a little bit more kind of like classical elements that you know somewhat touch on some accessibility. But right out of the gate, this is such a yeah such an oppressive, yeah. dark, intense album. Yeah, Cossacks are just it starts off this album perfectly. Like I love that guitar riff and sort of how things build up from there. Mm-hmm. You know that, and then just like that pauses. Cossacks are charging in. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. It's I. This is a great album. I, it's really cool to look into the sort of particularities of each track uh, because you know Jesse's about um, Elvis Presley's uh, stillborn twin brother. Uh, you know, just like yeah. little things like that, or just I I I never can never remember whether it's the track buzzer i think it's the track buzzer just uh, that you know it's a uh, polish the fork and stick the fork in mm-hmm. I, I i just i love that line a lot <laughs> but yeah this album is just full of 
bizarreness uh, on Scott Walker's part, all expertly, you know, composed by him, all, exactly what he wanted. Uh, I'm trying to remember where um, uh, there used to be, because I, so if you, I, I highly recommend people interested in Scott Walker who haven't watched it already watch. Um, I think it's called Thirty Century Man. Uh, it's it's about uh, Scott Walker around. I think it's so it was filmed around the time the drift was being made. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to see later on, but you get to sort of see his rise as you know a pop star and things like that. And uh, but you also get to see the making of this album. And there are parts of this where I, I think it's Clara, if I remember right, uh, where you can hear like that weird thud sound, and that that's that's someone punching meat. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, um, I want to say Soriatic or The Escape. I'm trying to remember which one has like that weird uh, kind of wooden rolling sound to it. Mm -hmm. And that's because he had like a wooden box put into the studio. And like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what they were doing with it, but they were like manipulating it. And they were like, yeah, that, that's, this is the instrument on this song <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> just like, like, I, Scott Walker is one of those artists who's just like, his head was I, I think it's an understatement to say that his head was above the clouds mm -hmm. he was just on and like he, he was kind of like Sun Ra at this point that he was just like on another plane of reality uh, and just happened to be channeling like you know his astral spirit into this one you know yeah <laughs> and like just like the choices he makes in these albums are are just baffling and yet, it makes for some of the most compelling listening, uh, you know, you will likely be able to hear, you know? It's fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I... I didn't know much about, you know, his trajectory. I just, I remember when Bish Bosh came out and people said that it was, you know, kind of the continuation of a really unique and insane about face that's something that's always interesting to me is when artists like totally embrace a, a, a new sound i mean obviously we kind of mentally pigeonhole people um yeah but obviously artists have different interests and certainly after decades by decades of making you know baroque pop or you know music that was not super maybe not super fulfilling to him for whatever reason he decided to do something completely different that um the only thing I will say is that I often I'll take an artist's collection out of my you know my shelves and I'll be like I'm gonna binge you know I'm gonna like have a have a marathon and then er Not the every single this. time I do that with Scott Walker I make it through one album and I'm like well that was enough for today just because it's so yeah. it's it's just so intense it's very dense it's, and, and just the, it's, it's especially yeah. it's, it's intense and it's dense yeah exactly and yeah. when you listen to it as an album I feel you know there's not I almost hesitate to say there's not a lot of variety because there is a ton going on but just it's not like it, it's well it, it's all centered around his voice and there's <coughs> only really one time I think during the trilogy of albums that make up you know his solo material mm -hmm. that he actually really changes and goes away from that operatic uh, voice like and I think it's in Bishbosh if I remember right um, you know, I, I actually I think there are a couple moments in, in Seuss that that do it as well. But um, yeah, it's 
it, it, it's a lot and sometimes it can feel um homages at times because again it's centered around his voice um i mean i know i i, I had a, a little difficult time listening to this um because i think it's just been a while but I, I i still really enjoy it like it's one of those albums that like you know sure it might not hit me this time around but like it will next time kind of mm-hmm. um yeah i i yeah scott walker's amazing uh i i i still feel like i i probably seuss is probably still my favorite scott walker album actually um as strange as that is i i really love what he did with that album especially i i just brando is just a great track uh as well as um i'm gonna have to look this up now uh it is i want to say herod 2014 it's the one that has that that, that line of bump the beaky on it i'm so Um, bad with track titles in general specifically with his his stuff yeah Oh yeah, I mean, like his um. Oh, where is that? I, I'm gonna look for that now. Uh, because th- there, there's that track off of Bishwash. Yes, uh, SDSS fourteen sixteen plus thirteen B Zircon a flagpole sitter. Yes, I'm just like yes, like this works. I'm fine. I'm I love that. Uh okay, yeah. No, this was I I. This is such a great album. It's not for the faint of heart by by any means, but um. Uh, nonetheless album worth listening to yeah absolutely i, I mean I, I i think that it's hard to pick which of the three it's just albums is like most accessible but i, I think definitely this is i mean i i, I would probably <clears throat> if, we're t- if we're just talking about this trilogy we're not talking about seussed this would probably still be the highest for me M- maybe bish but see i i i always i always vacillate with um yeah with scott walker's work be i mean it's it's almost like melvin's except that there's such a limited range of options <laughs> yeah i, I mean it, it, it's totally like it, it's even hard to describe i think actually lauren did it best and i'll bring it up every time i talk about scott walker it's almost like interpretive dance on stage where you know everyone's wearing bizarre black outfits and white gloves and just like yeah. doing it just it, it's some well he, he's actually scored music for like that sort of thing before too but yeah <laughs> um well no, seriously like uh the thing that came after this uh and who shall go to the ball and what shall go to the ball uh was was actually commissioned as a dance piece so i like it that like that definitely makes sense like it 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 fits so absolutely yeah okay well unless you have anything else to say i think maybe it's time to move on to albums of the week yeah for sure and what's uh why don't you uh lead us off yes all right uh so i was actually tempted to talk about uh lateralis I, i was actually thinking that last week um but uh, I mean, one, I never got around to listening to it, and two, I found uh, another album that I actually uh, feel like fits it more, uh, and it kind of surprised me. Uh, it's uh, Eat a Peach by uh, the Almond Brothers Band. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I bought this a few months ago, or, yeah, I think so, um, and I, I enjoyed it when I first listened to it, but I just put it on again, because I, I, it kept, like... Have you ever gone to like your CD shelf or like your vinyl shelf and have like an album kind of like stare out at you in a way? Yeah, like like one just catches your eye more than the other. That that was kind of what 
Eda Peach was doing to me, and so I just put it on. I was so, I'm so glad I did it. I I loved I loved this album. I I think it's just such a great combination of like, sort of that bluesy, sort of feeling like sort of that more blues influenced jam band type of thing that Allman Brothers were doing before Dwayne Allman's death, but then kind of also more of the jamming side mm-hmm. of it that they would do after um it's just a great combination uh and they're, they're just like there's some great you know smaller like shorter tracks on it uh melissa is is really great uh, uh blue sky is is really really good that, that that's like such a happy song mm-hmm. in a way um and uh but but i think for me like what really made this album complete was the 30 minute jam track mountain jam <laughs> yeah i know i i had no idea like i was i was playing stardew valley while i was listening to this thing and uh i kept i i, I suddenly just i like i looked over at my cd player and i'm like wait what does that say well <laughs> what is the timing on this thing and like see I, I i love that type of stuff like i i think the idea of like whole album like like whole album being a track is really cool mm-hmm. and so and like i really love like improvisation and jam like uh I, I don't necessarily like jam bands a ton um but i like the idea of them and so to see like you know this being done uh just way longer than i've ever listened to even with uh at fillmore east which i think they have like a a 20 minute version of like whipping post on that mm-hmm. um they get up there but this was the longest one i i i think i've come across but I mean, we can always check, right? Yeah. Um, God, this, I yeah again, it's just really great album. I, I love the album cover too. It's it just kind of fits for some reason. Like it's it's kind of bizarre. But um, let me see. Yeah. So the longest, yeah, the longest thing on Fillmore East is twenty two minutes. That's Whipping Post. Um, yeah. So yeah, I. Nice. Uh, it's a great album. I. I I just I'm so surprised that I I like this band kind of because I I just I used I I hate Rambling Man like I hate that song <laughs> but like I love these two albums um, so yeah I, t- I totally know <laughs> that feeling where I can't think of a great example but we you listen to someone you're like I just I I feel like I feel like I should really not like this but I'm having a having a real great time listening to them. Um, <laughs> So well, it's it's more like that that specific song, but yeah, but like definitely like jam bands in general. I don't I've never really liked, but you know, here's an exception kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, this is another. I mean, I've really been living and dying. I love the uh, the randomizer feature on on Discogs, um, and I felt like this this really fit into what we were talking about um, earlier, you know, kind of one of the albums we were talking about um, in terms of the evolution of sludge metal. Uh, I Hate God, Take as Needed for Pain. Um, it's okay. a definitely, we're not talking Mastodon or Baroness or anything like that. Like it's, this is very much just, uh, this is like sludge metal at its core. Um, it's, I think it's considered their best. I mean, they, their album's kind of more or less. What about Dope Sick? Yeah, Dope Sick too. Yeah, yeah that's I think you yeah. know, either one of those two people usually cite as, as their favorite. Uh, I just I like this for a lot of the same reasons I like Melvin's, but obviously when I want something a little bit heavier, uh, I just really appreciate 
just the heavy riffs, the really, um, you know, like the cover is gro- like kind of gross. It, it depicts like, <laughs> like I think limbs and medical procedures, and there's you know kind of samples throughout about you know, you know bodily injury and stuff like that. It's just it it makes me feel kind of like grimy and, and like a, but in a like a fun you know heavy way. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just. Uh, not much more to say about it. I mean, definitely some of their older or some of their newer albums rather have kind of had that. You know, they sound like they're older now, and it, it kind of mm. kind of shows. But like that vintage "I Hate God" sound is just that's what I go to most for, um, like just vintage sludge. Uh, it's just, yeah, yeah. Well, that is great. I I, I don't think I've ever listened to "I Hate God." Actually, now that I think about it, I. Um, I, I kind of held out from them for a while just because their name is pretty uh, pretty bad. Not only is just like the sentiment of I I like I you know atheism kind of tired in metal, but also it's spelled <laughs> it's spelled I hate God like the word I E Y E, which is very uh, not great. Um, but the reason I, I just remember what, when you went to see them, and I think someone asked you what you went to see, and you were just like, "Oh, it's just a metal band." Yeah, I, I tried. I tried. It's kind of like when I when I saw Dying Fetus, I was I just I didn't I didn't want to tell anyone. Um, you, just, you just say uh, you just say a live baby. I, I saw a live baby. baby. Love it. Um, yeah, I, I got into them actually with another album. It was uh, we were in a thrift store in Portland. My friends and I it was uh, their album Confederacy of Ruined Lives. It was like an OG. Um, yellow vinyl pressing and it just it was it was I thought it was really cool and I put it back and it was right around Christmas time and my friend surprised me and got it for me so uh-huh. and then I, you know I listened to it and I was like wow this is this is kind of like the dirty grimy old sludge metal that um, I I can get behind and so that's how that's how yeah. that's how they kind of got over the fact that their name is pretty uh, pretty bad because it's not like you know, like when you're when you're in high school and you're first, like when I was first getting death metal like dying fetus I thought that was hilarious I still think it's kind of hilarious even though it's kind of objectively a, a bad name um, it, it, I mean it's dark yeah but but, but but dark can be funny in the um, right light yeah but like I hate God was like you know kind of dark and offensive actually it's funny my same friend like there's a picture if you go on my Instagram um, there's a picture I took of him posing with it I said thanks for the Christmas gift and his mom is super religious and was like you need to take that down now. And he's like, I'm not gonna ask my friend to take down his Instagram post. He's like, why would you want to pose with something like that? She's like, I don't know, but just it was an album cover. I don't know. It's not like a, like I I don't hate God. I think he's fine. You know, like, I don't want to, you know. So <laughs> he, he's all right, I guess. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, the, the next week we're gonna have we're gonna talk about theology. So apparently, God is is he just okay? Or or do you like like God? Or do you just like yeah, it? Yeah, just to balance things out, we got to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, have a good week. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested... Uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, We're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that, 
uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.